Praise the Lord. Hey, it's going to be an awesome Sunday. Amen. We're going to dig into the Word of God for a little bit, and we're going to, we're going to announce she's for Christ. Yes. And there's going to be some rejoicing in the land. Amen. God's getting ready to do some awesome things. Are you ready for the Lord to work this morning? Yes, I ask you, did you come ready and expecting to receive God to do something in your life? Amen. Now, you know how you receive? The only way you can receive if you got your hand open. Amen. Why don't you open up your hands for a minute this morning and let God talk to you and you talk to God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. There is a holy expectation in this house. That's something good, something special, get ready to happen. God, we're open to whatever you say to us. We're open to whatever you want to do, whatever miracle you want to work in this house over the next few hours, Lord. Amen. We submit ourselves to you. We submit this service to you, God. Amen. Everything that's about to take place, it's all for you, Jesus. It's all owned by you, and you can do what you want, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, everybody clap your hands to the Lord. Amen. He's going to do something good this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. If you would, turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2. Nehemiah, chapter 2. You may see a few out in the building this morning, and that's okay. Uh, we've got some that have been around somebody that may have had coronavirus, and so they are quarantining for precaution, and everything is okay. There's nobody that's in a, a really, really bad way this morning. They're just trying to be careful, and we believe in that. We're still trying to be careful around here, and that's Amen. why we're spaced out. That's why I didn't ask you to shake somebody's hand, and... Uh, that's why we have spaced you, and you're, you're, you're not real close to me where I can, uh, when, when I'm uh, feeling my message, I'm not spitting all over you. Amen. We, we want to take precautions in the house of God. Uh, so keep in prayer for anybody that may be quarantined or might be sick today. Um, Sister Kirsten and I are going to be gone the next two Sundays. Uh, we're preaching for a friend next Sunday, so we will not be here for that. And then after that, it's going to be our anniversary. And so we're going to be gone. And we've got a lot to celebrate this year. Yeah. And so amen. we're not going to be here the following Sunday. So, amen. Just pray for us as we're gone. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 2. I want to speak to you about something that's very important to me today. And that's burdens. Burdens, And if I've got a title for you this morning, it would be Get a Burden. Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody, tell them, Get a Burden. Amen. So let's let God speak to us. Can you be open to Him today? All right, let's read in the word Nehemiah chapter two and verse one. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes when wine was before him that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Nehemiah himself is speaking here. 
Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? There is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tomb, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Skip down to verse 17 of the same chapter. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. Amen. Somebody got a burden. Amen. Hallelujah. It was... A Sunday afternoon in Joplin, Missouri, what somebody may call a lazy Sunday afternoon in Joplin, when it turned deadly and an EF-5 rated tornado ripped through the city, leaving 161 people dead. For a total of 38 minutes, the tornado ripped houses from their foundations it tossed trees around like toothpicks and winds swirled as fast as 200 miles an hour. This infamous Joplin tornado cost the city and its citizens right around $2.8 billion. And you're seeing pictures of the devastation you know, we call Marmaduke sort of a tornado alley. It was nothing when compared to what happened in Joplin, Missouri. And this last picture that is being shown to you is a picture from the Department of Homeland Security's digital database that shows from overhead in space the trail of the tornado. You can see that, can't you? It just absolutely tore through the community and nothing stood in its path. Since 2011, the city of Joplin has been rebuilding. And although nobody can replace a person that's lost to the storm, the people who call Joplin home have been rebuilding their homes ever since, their businesses, their lives. It's not been a quick or easy thing, but it's been happening. And now that city is thriving from what I understand, the numbers in the story that I read more than they have in the history of the city. And the Lord has helped them to rebuild. We have apostolic churches in Joplin, Missouri that God is blessing today. Our friend Nehemiah had to feel like the people of Joplin felt. His city was destroyed, but it wasn't by a storm, it was by an army. It was laid waste. The walls of his city 
and the temple. They laid in ruins. It would have been easier to find another site to go and build a new city rather than deal with the destruction that was there. But God placed a burden on the heart of Nehemiah to rebuild Jerusalem right where Jerusalem used to stand. And that burden, which likely kept him awake at night, he had some sleepless nights and it moved him to pray to God uh, to, and petition his boss, King Artaxerxes, for permission to return home and survey the damage. And if it wasn't for a burden that got on the heart of Nehemiah, he may never have returned to rebuild where it was. What kind of burden this morning do you suppose that God wants to lay on our hearts for our city? Come on. What kind of burden do you think the Lord wants us to have for the souls of people that are all around us, that are around your home, in this city, in this county, in this community? The term burden is frequently used in Christianity anyway to relate to the spiritual pull that somebody feels for a job, a task, a person, or a place, a burden. I've stood with uh, a missionary that we support, Brother Logan Blackman, in a church service in this area. I stood and talked to him, and I asked him if he was excited to get back on the mission field in a foreign country. And he looked at me in all seriousness on his face, in sincerity. And he said, Brother LaRue, I don't even want to be here right now. And the reason that he could say that is because it's not because he was not excited to be in church or he didn't like church in America, but God had a burden on his heart to be somewhere else. And it was a pull. It was internal. The Lord was pulling his heart to be somewhere else. And he was excited about that. We often speak or hear about people having a burden that God has placed on their hearts. And it's not meant to bring us down spiritually. It's not meant to, uh, to hurt us and just be a load that we cannot bear. That's not the intention of God or a hindrance. Instead, it's to motivate us. Amen. It's to motivate us to action through prayer or a deed. It's almost as if there's a desire that you're not sure where it came from. But it's there. And it's from God. Uh, Sister Kirsten is already experiencing the cravings that come with pregnancy. I know this because I'm the one that drives down to the harps or the Dollar General. And I experienced the disappointment on her face when I come back through the door and told her that both of those fine establishments had closed their doors for the night. Amen. And she was telling me of one lady that she knows who had this craving. And when she told me this, I nearly, I nearly uh, had a, a stomach problem. A lady who would crave cold hot dogs dipped in banana pudding. And I said, oh my God, that, that is not 
That is no longer pregnancy. That is a mental condition that you need to go and receive treatment for. And so if you want a cold hot dog and banana pudding, I will go get it for you, but you're going to eat it in the other room. And I'm going to cook my hot dog on the grill. And I'll eat the banana pudding 10 minutes after I'm done with hot dogs. Hallelujah. You don't know where the craving's from, but it's there. And that's, that's like a burden. Throughout the Bible, we see events where God put a burden on somebody. And they did whatever it is that was in his plan because of the burden that he gave them. Abraham's a great example of some, somebody who had a burden. God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He revealed it to Abraham. Why did he do that? He didn't have to do that. He could have destroyed the place. And that was in his plan. But he decided to tell Abraham because there were some souls that somebody needed to get a burden for. Amen. So he told Abraham. And Abraham heard of it. He didn't pace the floor while wringing his hands in anguish or something like that. And he didn't move past the information like it didn't impact him or his circumstances. It moved him to prayer. It moved him to prayer and eventually to action. And ultimately it saved Lot and his daughters. Amen. And sadly, the cities weren't spared. They were doomed. But the obedience of this burden did save some lives who loved people who loved God. This man, Nehemiah, had a burden. He had a burden. And that's, that's what I really want to focus in on this morning. No indicators alert us that God is going to place a burden on our hearts. He just does it when it's his time to and he decides to. Burdens are almost, listen to me this morning, they're almost never going to come at a convenient time. Amen. Because if it was convenient to do, God wouldn't have had to put a burden on somebody to motivate them to do it. That's right. And so burdens come on people at inconvenient times in our lives. Burdens seem to come at a time when we found a place of comfort. And we're not looking to step outside our comfort zone. Moses was content to be a shepherd with his wife, living a quiet life when God called him to action. He even tried to tell God he wasn't fit or qualified for his calling. Amen. Does that sound familiar to, to you today? You ever tried to tell God that you're not qualified for what he's asking you to do? If you've ever received a burden, it may be likely that you've pushed back on that, especially when we found a place of comfort. Because we're content to be faithful to God on our terms. Right. You hear me this morning? Oh, we are content to be faithful to God when it's on our terms, on our schedule, on our time, and it don't hurt our bottom dollar. But I'm talking about a different kind of commitment to God this morning that I believe, I believe the Lord has mandated me to push in front of this congregation this morning. God wants a deeper commitment than that. He wants it to be more than you're serving God because you found a comfortable place. You're serving God because whatever his will is in his kingdom, you're willing to follow through with. Right. Do whatever he asks you to do. Amen. If it's like Brother Logan and you got to go to the ends of the earth to accomplish it, you'll do what it is that is good for the kingdom of God. 
Amen. This is, you know, not necessarily where we find Nehemiah. He, he wasn't in an uncomfortable place. He was in a quite comfortable place, I believe. He was the cupbearer for the king, which means it probably gave him a comfortable life. Whatever it is that he wanted, uh, he had unrestricted access to the king. We can imagine him being faithful in prayer and service to God while enjoying a successful, provided for life. The Lord was just absolutely blessing him. And the scripture tells us that when Nehemiah heard the bad report concerning Jerusalem, that it was in ruins, he felt an immediate burden for that situation. He could have easily stopped and said a quick prayer and then forgot about it because he could have continued with his life with no problems. He could have... Uh, continued and not worried about Jerusalem or a city that was in ruins and he would have been just fine and not concerned himself with a situation that was far away and didn't have any direct impact on his life. But as a man of faith, he was moved in his spirit to take action. Amen. God moved on him. And when we walk by faith, we need to anticipate that burdens are going to come on us from time to time. It's going to happen. And more importantly, we need to make up in our minds. And if you haven't this morning, go ahead and make a decision now. When God puts a burden on my heart, I'm going to agree with it. I'm going to do what it is he wants me to do. Amen. It's for my benefit. It's for the benefit of his kingdom, even if it doesn't seem like it to begin with. Everybody's heard this phrase, or maybe you've said this phrase before, life is hard. Life is, or maybe you've heard a different uh, translation of that. You know, I used to have a teacher when I was in high school that uh, we, we had just got into high school, and she had this saying, and, and she was very elderly uh, for most teachers at the time, and uh, she had this saying that she would throw out any time uh, somebody would give her any kind of trouble or anything like that. She she wasn't putting up with it. The phrase that she would throw out every time is tough toenails. Tough toenails. Yeah. Well, I didn't have time to study for this test. Tough toenails. You know. Tough toenails. Well, I didn't get my homework done and bring it in this morning. Tough toenails. You know. And then there was one day that uh, she was she was complaining because she was dealing with something, and one of the students said, "Well, tough toenails." And I mean to tell you, I mean to tell you that the dam broke loose. And uh, she unleashed on that young man. <laughs> Tough toenails. Life is hard. Usually we say things like that when we're going through a hard time or a tough trial or when somebody else is. But, you know, personal experience should give us the ability to sympathize with others when we see them struggling. Amen. And that's what was going on with Nehemiah. He seen a situation in which somebody was struggling and his spirit was moved. And although our focus this morning is in an Old Testament uh, scripture here, this principle that guided Nehemiah is found in the New Testament in verses like Galatians chapter six and verse two. But Blake, can you put that on the screen for everybody this morning? We all know this verse 
bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Yes. Amen. You see somebody that's got a burden on their heart in prayer, you ought to pray with them. You ought to bind together and pray with them. When Nehemiah inquired about the state of Jerusalem, he was shocked at the report that he received. And the, there was no progress in rebuilding the city. Nobody had really done anything. And it didn't make sense in the mind of Nehemiah. And it's important to point out that Nehemiah did not rush to judge the situation and place blame on somebody. He said, go get that person who's slacking over there and not rebuilding the city. He didn't do that. Instead, he immediately began to seek God. And he didn't offer unsolicited advice or criticize the people. He simply felt a burden for them. And too often we're willing to place blame or become critical of a situation that we're not directly involved with. If you don't believe that, read the second half of the book of Job. The entire thing is Job's friends calling him out saying there's some type of sin or something wrong in his life because of what's happened to him. And that wasn't the truth. Amen. They were critical of a situation that they weren't directly involved with. We need to be careful about that. Amen. Amen. You don't know what that person's going through. You don't know what's going on in their life. Amen. You're not walking in the same shoe leather as they are. And so Nehemiah wasn't critical, but he went to the king. And first he went to, into prayer. And we can assume that the prayer that we read of in Scripture was not his only prayer, but he likely prayed consistently to God for it. And it's important to say, I know that this is basic and maybe elementary, but prayer is an essential part of our faith. Okay? Yes, it is. And if you've established constant Bible reading, praise God, thank God for that. But we need to establish consistent prayer in our lives. If you don't got that today, you need to figure it out this week. Figure out, make yourself a plan. Write it down. At this time every day, I'm going to pray. Amen. It's essential and it's our direct means of communication with God. We need to seek Him every day. And so God created humans for the purpose of fellowship. If He puts a burden on somebody's heart but they don't know how to pray and talk to Him about it, that burden's just going to stay there. It's just going to stay there and nothing's going to be accomplished. Amen. Relationships only grow and maintain strength through frequent communication. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, you know, Brother, Brother March, if you decide that you're, you're just not going to talk to Sister March for the rest of the day, that's probably going to create a problem for you, brother. At some point, she's going to wonder, why does he not want to talk to me? And vice versa. Amen. If you want a relationship to grow, there's got to be communication. Amen. Got to be communication. It's the same thing with God. And ironically, many people only seek God when they attend church once a week. If they attend that often. That's an unfortunate thing. And that's not the will of God this morning. Now, I'm, 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 just, I'm just telling you some truth, okay? There's a lot of people that think seeking God is being at church on Sunday morning. And you can do that there, but that's not the only time or place for that. Amen. God wants to be in constant communication with you. And let me throw this out there and then I'll shut up about it. Church attendance is important. Somebody said amen. Church attendance is important. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. 
Amen. There, there are people that treat God as sort of like a, a vending machine. Well, when I need something, I'll put in the prayer to get it, and that's it. It shouldn't be that way either. We have to seek God daily in prayer and in his word. Amen. Psalm 34 and verse 15. It says this, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. But if there is never a cry, he cannot hear it. You hear that this morning? I'm going to read the scripture again. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. He's watching. And the ears are open to their cry. But if there is never a cry, brother or sister, he is not going to hear it. We got to talk to him. Somebody said, amen. amen. After Nehemiah prayed, he went on to give a detailed petition of his needs to the king. And not only did God give him a detailed list of what was needed, he also moved on the heart of the king to grant Nehemiah's requests. How many times uh, have you thought of a song, but you couldn't remember the title? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And now, you know, we've got these fancy app, apps on our phone that you can type in the lyrics, some lyric or something. Or you can even, playing on the radio, you can put that app up to it and it'll tell you the artist, the song, the album, and it'll put the album artwork on there. And then, by the way, hit this link and you can go buy it. My, 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 we have come a long way. Yes, we but you, you come to that moment where you're hearing the song, you know, and you can't think of the title. You can hear the song playing, but you can't think of the title. You remember the lyrics, except the phrase that contains the title. And sometimes we can let go of trying to figure out what the title is, and other times we just can't. And when we can't, we conduct a frantic search through our music library to try to figure out what it is until we find the title and the mental burden that is on us is relieved. We've got a burden on us. It motivated you to figure out what that song is. And you go to your spouse or your friend, you say, well, you remember that song that goes like this? What's the lyrics? You never would have asked them. You never would have asked them if you didn't have a burden to figure that out on your mind. Amen. When we maintain a healthy relationship with God, there should be times when a burden comes on our spirit. There should be. And any time we feel a burden, we need to pray. And not just a little bit until we feel relief from the burden. Amen. I'm, I'm trying to help somebody this morning. When you get a burden from God, your reaction needs to be, I'm going to pray. Yeah. And I'm going to pray until I feel a release from it or until God tells me what to do. That's what needs to happen. Nehemiah felt a great burden for something that was happening that was far away. And it didn't impact his immediate circumstances in any way. But his burden was great and it became visible. It became visible about him. This is not to say that whenever God puts a burden on us, we need to look heavy. And, you know, oh, you know, Lord's got to be, you know, like the, the people that, uh, that they want to testify and they, they talk about how much the devil is working on their life. You know, and they've been asked to testify about the Lord, but they end up testifying about the, the devil at work in their life. You know, and there, there's a burden, you know, there's a burden on them. 
we don't need to look, you know, necessarily like this burden has brought us down that we're carrying or something like that. That's not the goal, but there should be an internal drive to seek God in prayer for whatever it is. Just like a motivated search for a song title, we need to have a fervency in prayer until we feel relief from the burden. Now, you've heard the expression, actions speak louder than words. Uh, this implies that our actions carry more relevance than the words that we speak. All too often we talk about what we're going to do, but we don't really do the thing of which we're talking about. Sometimes that's the case. And when we put action to our words, others see us as reliable and trustworthy. They see that there's integrity there. And too often we'll promise to pray about a situation but we take no other action outside of our prayer. This happens a lot. This happens a lot. Sometimes our burden is more than a call to prayer. It's a call to action. Everybody say action. Sometimes God don't just want you to pray. He wants you to go do something about it. Amen. And I believe that God is most certainly calling our church toward prayer, but more than that, He's calling us toward action. He really is. Nehemiah understood this. First, he prayed about the situation, and then he went and did something about it. What God had motivated him to do. He didn't just satisfy himself by praying over the situation and say, well, I prayed over it. I've, you know, I've done, and I'm not belittling prayer this morning. Don't misunderstand me. But he went and did something about it. He was willing to submit himself to the plan of God after he had prayed even. There's a lot of times that we will pull ourselves back from taking action over a situation because it's outside of our comfort zone. Just because it's outside of our comfort zones. There's a famous message that I believe Brother Mooney preached, in which, and I even seen Brother Chance, John Chance, re preach this message before, in which he began preaching about desire and willingness to see God work. And he had uh, somebody prepare a steak dinner. And the whole time he was preaching, there was a table in front of the pulpit. And the whole time he's preaching, they bring out different parts of the meal and sit at the table. A steak, beautiful, big steak, green beans, you know, macaroni and cheese, a big glass of sweet tea and dessert, pie sitting there, you know, and they keep bringing this stuff out. And then he ended up saying toward the end of the sermon, now this meal that's sitting in front of me this morning is one of the finest prepared meals, probably the finest you're going to get anywhere around here. And it is so good. It's tremendous. But who in this room is willing to stand up out of their seat and come and taste it? And nobody wants to move. You don't want to sit in front of everybody and eat the good food. And he was illustrating the fact that there are times when the best of the things of God are before us but we won't go and do or receive of them because it's outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. That's 
I am trying to tell somebody this morning, it's time to stop worrying about the comfort zone. Amen. Now, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I felt it all week. It's time to be willing to break out of the comfort zone. God wants to do things here, right now. And if it's ever going to happen, it's going to take somebody saying, I'll get outside of my comfort zone and go do what God wants to do. Comfort zones. Mm. Nehemiah was a man of good character. And that's why he did what God wanted him to do. He served the king faithfully, but he served God faithfully. So God comes asking for something. Nehemiah says, I'm going to do it. Yeah, he's comfortable. Yeah, he can go living on the way that he wants to. He's in the comfort zone. But he left the best position outside of being the king to go to a city that was in ruins so that God could build it back to the majestic city that it was. He had to step out. It is apparent from the words of the king that Nehemiah must have been a man of good countenance, somebody who didn't wear his emotions on his sleeve or use his position to gain favor from the king. And when the king asked Nehemiah what it was he needed, we have to take notice that he prayed and he sought God about the burden. And only after his prayer did he begin to ask assistance from the king. And when he offered his request to the king, he didn't ask for one item. Instead, it was a lengthy list and full of details. And you know what? He had served the king so well, the king didn't hardly ask a question about it. He said, go do it. I'll give you everything you need. The only thing he asked at all was when he was going to return. He had found favor with the king. Amen. And he asked for all the materials that they would need for the project. And all of this was granted to him. Why? Why? Because Proverbs 16 and 3 says, Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Amen. Before he ever served the king, he served God. Yes. Now I'm really going to help somebody out this morning right now. Before you serve that job, before you serve that car payment, before you serve that hobby, before you serve anything else, you ought to serve God. Yes. Amen. Amen. I'm just making a suggestion. It'll only benefit you because if you commit your works to the Lord, your thoughts will be established. Yes. Amen. Amen. Nehemiah worked hard to please the king, but he worked harder to please God. Amen. When we keep our hearts and minds set on serving God in all things, He'll grant us favor even in the eyes of an enemy. Nehemiah went to Jerusalem and he surveyed the situation, seen what was going on, the wreckage of the city walls. He also surveyed the situation with the temple and the city's walls were lying there in shambles. He was walking through it, not unlike the pictures we've seen in Joplin, Missouri. He walked through the destruction. And the people were not motivated to do anything about it. They sat around in the shambles. Nobody was doing anything. And even though they were no longer in captivity, living a horrible life, they allowed the situation to dictate their attitude. 
They possessed an attitude of despair. Amen. Amen. Somebody said, as apostolics, we're not supposed to be uh, thermometers. We're supposed to be thermostats. Yeah. yeah. We don't tell the temperature of the situation. We set the temperature Amen. of the situation. I don't care what it is that you feel this morning, what you've went through this week. You can set the temperature spiritually in the house of God. Amen. You possess the ability to do that. And the Bible tells us that when somebody does that, there are angels that desire to look into what is going on because an apostolic, not an angel, set the tempo and set the temperature in the house of God. They're interested in that. And God is interested in that. I challenge somebody to set the temperature in this house this morning. Amen. 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 Set the temperature for yourself in the house of God. They were just thermometers sitting around in the damage. But here come Nehemiah with a burden. And they didn't just have to believe his mere words. He came with the goods to get the job done. All the materials that was needed he had with him. Amen. Everyone has a good testimony about when God has performed a miracle in your life. And that's, that's wonderful to hear. It builds faith. It builds faith. And this bringing of all the materials, that was a miracle for them. He's got everything we need to get the job done. And that miracle increased their faith. And it increases our faith when we hear or see a miracle. Amen. But sometimes... Somehow, we often fail to use that miracle as motivation to work for God. We see it and our faiths increase for a little bit, but we don't let it motivate us to anything else. When circumstances overcome our spirit, we're quick to resign ourselves into inaction and not do anything, even though what we have seen has just happened. The opposite should be true today. When we see the miraculous happen, it ought to motivate us to action. Yes. God has performed and is performing miracles in the midst of this congregation today. This past week, this past month, even in the future. Right now, God is doing miracles. And I don't have to tell you of all that he is doing. I hope and pray that you've got the eyes to see it this morning. Physically and spiritually, I hope you see it. Just what God has been busy about in his church and in, the, in your own life. But what I will do and what I am here to tell you today is that God partly performs miracles to increase faith. He does. And a great part of why he wants to increase faith is that he desires action from us. He wants us to do something. He wants to see our hands at work in his kingdom, a kingdom that's not going to have any end. I want you to listen to the sound of my voice this morning. It is time to get your hands to the plow for the kingdom of God. Amen. I hope and pray that you feel some kind of a burden for that today. I really hope you do because I I say this in all honesty to you. There are times when I lie awake in bed thinking about what God wants to do in His church. And I mean that in all sincerity. God puts a burden on my heart. I hope God puts a burden on your heart. Amen. Amen. Because we can't afford to just be people who sit on pews. That cannot be us. We are apostolic. Yes. We are apostolic. 
Amen. We have got to get a burden of service on our hearts. A, a burden to take action in the church. Pastor, what can I do? We need volunteers. Pastor, what areas do we need to work or help in right now? Where can I serve? And we can't afford to say, well, I'm, I'm not good enough, pretty enough, and I don't know enough about it, and I'm not qualified. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Amen. Amen. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call. There is no excuse that you have today that's good enough. Amen. God is looking for somebody to help. God and the church don't need your perfection. God and the church just need you to be willing to work and be willing to be used of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Can we lift our hands in this room? Hashatalamahaya. God's encouraging somebody to come up out of that comfort zone. Amen. With a ferocity in your heart to do something for God. Amen. Are you going to let the burden settle in? Are you going to let the burden settle into your heart this morning? Amen. Amen. We can't afford to not be apostolic. Amen. God is moving on somebody's heart. You ought to seek a burden. You ought to seek a burden. Amen. God put a burden on my heart at the age of 14 years old. 14 years old to preach this truth. And I decided to run from it for a couple years. I didn't answer him. And that burden just got heavier. And I got weaker until I had to submit. And God had to confront me with the fact that souls are going to be lost. If you don't get this burden on you and do something about it. Amen. And I'm just here to repeat the same thing to you. And I know this ain't a comfortable message. It's not a popular message. It was not meant to be. I want to get you uncomfortable this morning. God puts a burden on your heart so you can do something about it. Amen. Amen. Nehemiah felt a burden. What did he do? He stepped out in faith. He stepped out in faith. That's what we need to do. We need to step out in faith. I'm coming to a close this morning. Everyone should have a burden on their heart of some sort. And I'm going to make an unpopular statement right now. But I don't care if it's unpopular to somebody because it's right. If we don't feel a burden from God, 
It's time to get a burden from God. Well, how do I get one? You begin to feel a burden from God when you're drawn close to Him. So I'm on a mandate to tell somebody in this room, if you don't feel a burden from God in some sort of way today, then you need to get close to Him until you find one. And get that burden in your life and go to work for God. Here's another one. Here's another one. If we live in a world of burdenless Christians, we live in a world unchanged. If we live in a world of burdenless apostolics, we are not apostolic. I hope, I hope that's shaking somebody today. Come on, brother. Do you feel this in your spirit this morning? Do you feel it in your spirit? The Holy Ghost has entered this room and is trying to speak to you. I hope that you're hearing it. Let's stand together right now. I feel the glory of the Holy Ghost in this room. We need to get a burden on our heart to work in the revival that God has planned for His end time church. And I am reminded as I say end time church this morning of a mighty man of God that we lost this week. With Urban Baxter passed from this life and has gone on to his reward. And the reason he is going on to his reward, hear me right now, is because he is a man who God put a specific burden and talent in his life, and he did it to the fullest of his ability. He responded to a burden, and he did not quit. We need to get a burden, and not only get a burden, but respond to that. Respond to that. I'm just, I'm just trying to help the revival that God is doing. And, and here's, here's how I'm trying to do it, okay? I want, I want you to hear me. This is, I believe this. If pastor says that this is a job that we need somebody to fill, this needs done in the church, I don't care if it's refilling toilet paper. Somebody needs to pray, Lord, get a burden on my heart. Amen. I don't care if it's cleaning cobwebs. Or maybe it's teaching a Bible study. Or maybe it's making sure everything on the platform is organized right and ready, prepared for service. Or counting attendance. Or serving food. Or being over this ministry or preaching. Folks, we've got to have the attitude. I'm going to pray till God puts a burden on my heart for what I need to do. Because let's take a poll this morning. And, and, uh, and, 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 and we won't mess up on the count of this poll, okay? <laughs> oh, praise God. Hey, let's see a show of hands. Who wants a revival in the church? 
You, you want revival? Amen. You, you want to see revival? Amen. You want to see these pews filled? You want to see God fill people with the Holy Ghost? That miracle, signs and wonders happen. Amen. I'm going to mandate to tell you. If you believe that, I've got to tell you, somebody's got to serve. Amen. Somebody's got to put their hands to the plow. Yes. And say, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it. Yes, Lord. It may not be the thing that I'm perfect at. It may not be my number one talent. But I'll do it to the best of my ability. So let's yes. try to get, who wants revival? Yes. Show your hand you want revival? Yes. Amen. Now, if you're willing to serve and you're willing to be a part, amen, and carry a burden and do what God wants you to do, raise the other hand. Say, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Come on, somebody tell God right now. The Lord has placed a burden on some hearts in this room. The Holy Ghost is present. You need to open up your mouth and talk to God right now.